Welcome to Tax Today, a Vertex podcast series. Words of wisdom from industry professionals to help you transform tax. Each week, we hold enlightening discussions with tax, IT, and procurement specialists focused on shaping tax in the procure-to-pay process. Hi, I'm Kristen Schwabenbauer. Welcome to Tax Today, a Vertex podcast series. On today's episode, we'll be exploring understanding the international accounting behind global indirect tax and procurement with two repeat contributors, Peter Bohrhoff, Vertex's VAT director. Peter, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, Kristen. I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this uh, podcast. Great. And Tiffany O'Neill, Vertex's practice leader in Vertex Consulting. Tiffany, again, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Kristen. So today we're talking about the accounting aspects around indirect tax and procurement. This is actually a topic that I'm excited to talk about. It's a little bit more challenging and it's kind of one of the reasons why I think we wanted to do this podcast series. So Peter, I'll ask you first, how confident do you feel in master data in the AP process? And can you talk to us a little bit about that concept of master data in the AP process? Yes, I definitely can, uh, Kristen, because... With most processes, it starts with the data. And within the AP process, the procurement process, it's quite a challenge, I must say, at least from what I've seen. Um, and there are two elements. It's, it's the master data that you refer to. And then there's also the second part is, is the transactional data. Let's start with master data. For example, if a purchaser enters a PO in, into an ERP system, he has to select the correct vendor. And what you often see in these ERP systems is that vendors are actually registered multiple times because this registration is case sensitive. It's different punctuations and abbreviations. So sometimes they can choose from three, four or five different vendors that are actually the same. And on the buying side, so the entry of the entity that's actually buying it's quite relevant that the correct entity is uh, selected, including the correct VAT number and the ship to location. Because if you, for example, have a German entity with a French Fed registration buying materials destined for France, the buyer has to make sure that the French VAT number is included in the PO because the invoice should not be raised to the German VAT number. And then... Stopping with this, this simple master data um, example, assume that the master data is all correct. Then still you have the invoice processing in the accounts payable process. And the invoice, at least in VAT, is the leading document. And the data on this document is not by definition completely in line with the PO data. And again, with an example, it may well be that a vendor had to ship materials from a different plant. And as a result, invoices with a different VAT number that you expected when you bought your goods. And if this VAT number is not properly registered in the vendor master data, then the AP clerk cannot process the invoice. And that leads to delays, updating of data, etc. So also processing the invoice, processing the transaction can result in, in, in data issues. So definitely... Data is a core element and, and you should feel confident, but I do know that it's a challenging area. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Tiffany, do you have any thoughts on that as well? I know with your experience implementing and, and especially working with, with that from a system perspective. Yeah, I agree with Peter. It, it is very 
difficult sometimes to get all the correct data that is required for in the system to automatically flow in the transaction. And, you know, because you have various folks in the process entering data in different places, you've got different master data, potentially people making a purchase doesn't know where something's going to be shipped from or what registration number needs to be on it. So from a system perspective, this is a challenge. Yeah, I would agree. I can't imagine how people are trying to find it's almost like a paper trail of, of everything you need from a tax perspective. So how does the AP process ultimately affect the accounting? It seems to be, I don't know if, it, if it's more complicated on the US side or, or on the global side. I think there's, there's two different perspectives there. Peter, can you give us an idea of what we're looking at from a global perspective? Uh, yes, I definitely can. And I'm a bit biased here. So I, I approach this from kind of an SAP process kind of, of perspective. And one of the aspects in AP that has to be done and that's extremely important for VAT accounting is tax coding. And assigning a tax code to an AP invoice determines how the invoice is accounted for for VAT purposes. So even if all data is correct and the invoice is correct, assigning an incorrect tax code can result in incorrect VAT accounting. And as a result, also in incorrect VAT reporting. And also to elaborate on this a bit, if you have a Belgium invoice with 21% Belgium VAT and you assign a Dutch tax code to this for 21% VAT, this invoice will actually be reported in the Belgium VAT return instead of the Dutch VAT return. And this sounds like a theoretical issue, but it actually really happens in practice in this AP accounting process. And it's also at the same time considered by the tax authorities to be quite a serious issue to report VAT in an incorrect country. So this also often leads to penalties if this is discovered. And another scenario is if an invoice does not contain any VAT amount at all. And this could, for example, be the case if a VAT exemption is applied or if there is 0% VAT for, for exports or intercommunity transactions or if a reverse charge is applied for, for services. And assigning the correct tax code on these kind of invoices is crucial. Otherwise, the VAT reporting gets messed up. So starting with data and then starting with processing in AP and assigning a tax code there's quite a lot that can go wrong from a global perspective in VAT accounting. But I don't know exactly how that matches up with, let's say, the accounting from a U.S. perspective. Well, I would say that the accounting from a U.S. perspective doesn't have the same level of complexities. And even from a VAT perspective, you know, what we're really trying to automate is the assignment of that tax code to say, how can we use that transactional and system data to predict what that tax code needs to be so we can tell the difference between the countries for the VAT even when they have the same rate to make sure that's accounted from by using system data like addresses and getting all of those determinations correct. And that part is similar for the U.S. because we are. We're using the system addresses that are coming from the company that's making the purchase and but not so much the vendor. In the U.S., really, it is just driven based off where we're purchasing the items, where that tax needs to be accounted for. So that's a little more simplistic. And then we also don't have the complexities with some of the recoverability and some of the other nuances with the VAT accounting, where really we're just trying to determine, is it taxable? Are we going to pay the vendor or are we self-assessing itself? 
So we have much less data points, but at the end of the day, you know, we still are truly trying to capture that data and automatically determine what the tax is and then how we need to account for it. Okay. Yeah. That, I think from a global perspective, that's a really good basis of, of understanding because I could see now with this is that there could be shortcuts and especially, and Tiffany, you and I have talked about this, the end-to-end solution. So I think everyone is is very familiar with, okay, you know, we've got an e-commerce type of an integration to Vertex, right? Straightforward, back and forth, back and forth, right? Getting tax calculated. Now we're looking at, you know, a lot of companies are still purchasing in the ERP and that from, you know, an end-to-end solution and getting all that data pulled together is pretty, I wouldn't say straightforward, but it, it works because those are accounting systems. But now with the best of breeds, with your Arebas and your Koopas and things like that, we're seeing some discrepancies there because Vertex is meant to help Ariba and Koopa make sure that people are calculating the right tax and you're self-accruing and you're doing all those kinds of things. But then there's that whole GL aspect and that back accounting process that needs to happen where you need to get data from Ariba or Koopa into your ERP and into, you know, the right GL account. And I would imagine there are some shortcuts and maybe bad practices on handling some of these things. Can you speak to any of that for us? I think that some of these integrations are new and with the end-to-end process, you know, a lot of these integrations that are feeding into an ERP are really trying to leverage the functionality the ERP already has. You know, so Peter was talking about the tax codes and the tax codes in many of these systems are what drive the accounting. And so in order to be able to get the accounting populated correctly in the in the ledger from payables data that's interfacing in, there still requires configuration in the ERP. So even if you're doing your taxability determination in a third-party procurement system, if that data is then flowing in with an okay-to-pay file or another interface into the ERP, then you're going to run into tax codes again. There's still going to be additional configuration and logic being able to map that tax treatment that was so carefully placed in the downstream system to say, okay, this 21% VAT tax code, you still need to get the correct tax code associated with the transaction in the ERP to get that accounting posted correctly. So adding an additional purchasing system doesn't eliminate the need for some of the tax and accounting configuration in your ERP systems as well. Yeah, I think you put that correctly, just that you nailed it there in that in that explanation. I think that's people really need to recognize that. I know initially the first couple of years when we were talking about integrating with Ariba and we were going to shows and stuff and trade shows and, and talking to people in person or even on calls, they were just worried about the direct functionality of the integration. What's it going to enable me to do? But, you know, when we tried to say, hey, guys, you look at the full picture here, it's important and it means it's a more complex implementation. There's a lot of things at play, um, a lot of things you need to take into consideration. You may need to bring in your SAP or your Oracle team as well, enterprise architects and things like that to really, to make sure that, you know, this is taken into account. So Peter, help us. How, how do you design the process correctly? How should, how should tax be involved? And how, like, how do you think tax automation may, may help this process? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. And, um, what you see, like I just explained in, in, in my previous answer, is that a lot of, let's say, the complexity and difficulty is, is still on assigning the tax code. And in most businesses, it's still a manual process. So that's actually done by, by AP clerks. So there's not that much automation. And 
it's also still not completely clear to what extent you can automate, let's say, the more complex invoices. Like, for example, if you would have a marketing event in a hotel with multiple VAT rates and a limited deduction on line items. And what you see in AP is that for invoice processing, the departments are quite often on a production target. So they have to process X invoices a day. And that's all about volume. And I would say if you look at that process, it's actually essential to also include one or two KPIs on quality rather than on volume. So I would say include a KPI about assigning the correct tax code to an invoice. And then what I've also seen in one of the companies I worked for is that then quality will definitely improve from a VAT perspective. And of course, you need to test um, on such KPIs to monitor how, how the performance is. And the second element of a process for VAT in this aspect is to provide for good escalation. So an escalation process that if an AP clerk faces an issue with an invoice or he has a question, that help should be available actually immediately and uh, take time zones into consideration for that as well. And the role for tax should be as remote as possible, but yeah, you still have to be involved. Uh, for example, in agreeing the KPI and what your company accepts as an acceptable error rate. And also for the really complex invoices, tax should be part of the escalation process. I also still think that as long as this in most companies is a manual process, tax should also be part of, of the training. But if you look at, let's say, the automation, I would say like Tiffany also already mentioned that uh, tax automation can help to automatically assign uh, tax codes to invoices, to transactional lines. But that can not be done, at least not what I've seen in practice, to all invoices. There are always complex invoices that need some manual processing or, or review. But if you automate the bulk of the tax code assignment, then AP will have more time for the complex invoices and they will have more time for quality checks and they will have more time to follow up on data issues. So I, I believe there's definitely benefits in, um, in, in tax automation. And for me, from a tax management perspective, one of the key benefits for automating this is that it can also block, let's say, non-compliant transactions. And that is what I see as, as one of the essential control benefits also of tax automation. Oh, that's amazing. I just had like three aha moments. Like, why didn't I think of that? Like a KPI for quality. You're right. I mean, because you're never going to be able, well, at least for right now, foreseeable future, you might not be able to automate completely. But if you've got a KPI out there for quality and then you have an escalation procedure in place where everyone has signed off on that and, and they're aware of it, that's fabulous. I mean, that makes so much sense. And I, I don't think that's come up in any of our conversations before. So that was tremendous. That was just tremendous input. Tiffany, do you have any other um, thoughts on this topic as well? You really need to do a lot of planning. And it is critical to make sure that the organization works with the tax professionals and really maps out all those scenarios. You know, as Peter mentioned, you may never achieve 100% automation. There's always going to be hard scenarios 
But the way you're going to figure out when you need to have those escalations and when you need to have the training and what areas you need to focus on with these teams is by mapping out all your scenarios and looking at the system data you're going to have to say, these are ones we're confident we can automate. And these are ones we know we may have data issues that could require some more coordination and training with buyers or AP. And these are ones we know we're going to have issues with in AP. And really taking the time to review all your scenarios and work with the various teams that touch this process and doing that coordination and then doing the training can really make it less painful for everyone involved. And then, you know, as Peter noted, then the people working in the process can really focus on some of those trickier situations where somebody might always need to provide additional information or look at a scenario a little more closely. But without that coordination and planning, you're always going to end up with problems even with your simplest transactions. Yeah, it's kind of like driving down the road and the wheels just come off the car if they're not the right parts aren't, aren't put in place. And I think that's a lot of what's happening today for our clients and for our audience. So I think this is fantastic. Thank you. That'll do it for today's show. But I'd like to thank my guests, Peter and Tiffany, for joining me. I appreciate you both taking the time. Yeah, you're welcome, Christian. Thanks. Thanks for having us. And thanks to our listeners. Make sure to tune in for our next episode when we'll discuss the overview of the integration with SAP Rebit version 2. Subscribe to Tax Today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review. To learn more about optimizing tax and procurement, visit vertexinc.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-I-N-C.com. And connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Facebook.